Hello, welcome to We Know Nothing, where we know absolutely nothing. And today we are going to read a book called Sophie's World. Now, this is a novel about the history of philosophy written by Justine Garter. And we're going to actually introduce book club. So in this series of videos, we are going to dive into books, go chapter by chapter. I'm going to read. If you want, grab the book yourself, read along with me. That would be ideal. And then throughout the reading, we are going to discuss what we are digesting. So I hope you enjoy book club. I'm very excited to start this with you all. And we're just going to dive into Sophie's world. We're going to go to chapter one today, which is called the Garden of Eden. But before we do that, let's just read this little blurb about the author. So Justine Garter was born in Oslo, Norway in 1952. He taught high school philosophy for several years before publishing a collection of short stories in 1986, and shortly thereafter his first two novels, The Solitaire Mystery and Sophie's World, which has been translated into 53 languages. He now lives in Oslo with his family. So this book has been around for a little while. Um, I think it was published in the United States in 1994. Um, I, I have just heard of it recently. Uh, Juan introduced this to me. I'm very, very excited um, to jump into it. So let's go to chapter one, The Garden of Eden. At some point, something must have come from nothing. Interesting start already. Sophie Amundsen was on her way home from school. She had walked the first part of the way with Joanna. They'd been discussing robots. Joanna thought the human brain was like an advanced computer. Sophie was not certain she agreed. Surely a person was more than a piece of hardware. Right off the bat, first paragraph, very intriguing. Thinking about the brain and is the brain the source of who you are? Are you just a piece of hardware? Is this body simply a mechanism for us to move around. If you believe in the spirit and the soul, is that what we truly are? Or are we just these meat and bones, you know? Very interesting stuff. When they got to the supermarket, they went their separate ways. Sophie lived on the outskirts of a sprawling suburb and had almost twice as far to go to school as Joanna. There were no other houses beyond her garden, which made it seem as if her house lay at the end of the world. This is where the woods began. She turned the corner into Clover Close. At the end of the road, there was a sharp bend known as Captain's Bend. People seldom went that way except on the weekend. It was early May. In some of the gardens, the fruit trees were encircled with dense clusters of daffodils. The birches were already in pale green leaf. It was extraordinary how everything burst forth at this time of year. What made this great mass of green vegetation come welling up from the dead earth as soon as it got warm and the last traces of snow disappeared? I'm already liking how this is more of like a story, you know, rather than just these are the historical facts or this is, you know, it's, it's more so we've got, we've got depth. We've got someone to kind of pay attention to rather than kind of a boring history type book, you know? As Sophie opened her garden gate, she looked in the mailbox. 
There was usually a lot of junk mail and a few big envelopes for her mother, a pile to dump on the kitchen table before she went up to her room to start her homework. From time to time, there'd be a few letters from the bank for her father, but then he was not a normal father. Sophie's father was the captain of a big oil tanker and was away for most of the year. During the few weeks at a time when he was at home, he would shuffle around the house, making it nice and cozy for Sophie and her mother. But when he was at sea, he would seem very distant. Ooh, distant parent. There was only one letter in the mailbox, and it was for Sophie. The white envelope read, Sophia Munson, Three Clover Close. That was all. It did not say whom it was from. I lost my spot here. <laughs> there was no stamp on it either. As soon as Sophie had closed the gate behind her, she opened the envelope. It contained only a slip of paper no bigger than the envelope. It read, Who are you? Nothing else. Only the three words. Written by hand and followed by a large question mark. She looked at the envelope again. The letter was definitely for her. Who could have dropped it in the mailbox? Sophie led herself quickly into the red house. As always, her cat, Shirkin, managed to slink out of the bushes, jump onto the front step, and slip in through the door before she closed it behind her. Whenever Sophie's mother was in a bad mood, she would call the house they lived in a menagerie. A menagerie was a collection of animals. Sophie certainly had one and was quite happy with it. It had begun with the three goldfish, Goldtop, Red Riding Hood, and Blackjack. Next, she got two budgergars, called Smit and Smule, then Govinda the tortoise, and finally the marmalade cat Shirkin. They had all been given to her to make up for the fact that her mother never got home from work until late in the afternoon, and her father was away so much, sailing all over the world. So you've got two distant parents. That is highly unfortunate. But I'm sure Sophie will be just fine throughout the story. <laughs> Sophie slung her school bag on the floor and put a bowl of cat food out for Shirkin. Then she sat down on a kitchen stool with a mysterious letter in her hand. Who are you? She had no idea. <laughs> she was Sophia Munson, of course, but who was that? She had not really figured that out yet. What if she had been given a different name? Anne Knutson, for instance. Would she then have been someone else? Very interesting questions that are posed. Are you simply just the name you are given? No, you're so much more than that. You are more than just a label, a name. You know, I am Liz. But who is a Liz? Like, what am I? Am I just my personality traits? Or is there even more to that? Very, very fascinating stuff. Let's see here. <laughs> she suddenly remembered that dad had originally wanted her to be called Lillimore. Sophie tried to imagine herself shaking hands and introducing herself as Lillimore Amundsen, but it seemed all wrong. It was someone else who kept introducing herself. She jumped up and went into the bathroom with the strange letter in her hand. She stood in front of the mirror and stared into her own eyes. I am Sophie Amundsen, she said. The girl in the mirror did not react with as much as a twitch. Whatever Sophie did, she did exactly the same. Sophie tried to beat her reflection to it with a lightning movement, but the other girl was just as fast. Who are you? Sophie asked. She received no response to this either, but felt a momentary confusion as to whether it was she or her reflection who had asked the question. Sophie pressed her index finger to the nose in the mirror and said, You are me. And she got no answer to this. 
She turned the sentence around and said, I am you. Sophia Munson was often dissatisfied with her appearance. She was frequently told that she had beautiful almond-shaped eyes, but that was probably just something people said because her nose was too small and her mouth was a bit too big. Her ears were much too close to her eyes. Worst of all was her straight hair, which was impossible to do anything with. Sometimes her father would stroke her hair and call her the girl with the flaxen hair after a piece of music by Claude De Debussy. <laughs> It was all right for him. He was not condemned to living with this straight hair. Neither mousse nor styling gel had the slightest effect on Sophie's hair. Sometimes she thought she was so ugly that she wondered if she was malformed at birth. Her mother always went on about her difficult labor, but was that really what determined how you looked? Very sad that Sophie does not appreciate her appearance. Appearance can be such a very difficult thing for a lot of people, especially females, I feel like, you know, there's so much pressure put on us from society to look a certain way, which is just absurd. I mean, if we really think about it, does it really matter that much? Are we really caring that much about how we look? I mean, I've suffered from it. I still do from time to time. It sucks. It's such a waste of time. I can go on a whole tangent about that, but let's move on. <laughs> Wasn't it odd that she didn't know who she was? And wasn't it unreasonable that she hadn't been allowed to have any say in what she would look like? Her looks had just been dumped on her. She could choose her own friends, but she certainly hadn't chosen herself. She had not even chosen to be a human being. All right, very interesting right there. Let's take it back. If you have not watched the Four Agreements video, I will link that in the description below. But I briefly mentioned that there's this theory that we actually did choose this life. Now, not saying that that's facts, but it's interesting to ponder, did we choose to be here? Did we choose to be, did I choose to become Liz, right? Or was it all just random? Is everything in the entire world completely random? Or is there some type of flow here? Is there some type of rhythm that actually, you know what? I'm going to choose to be that person. I'm going to go and experience that kind of life. And so then there's the question of destiny and is everything just laid out or, you know, time is an illusion. And it, it gets a little crazy. But I think that's interesting. Sophie says, you know, I didn't choose this life. Maybe she did, though. Maybe she did. What was a human being? Sophie looked up at the girl in the mirror again. I think I'll go upstairs and do my biology homework. <laughs> so mundane. Almost apologetically, she said. Once she was out in the hall, she thought, no, I'd rather go out in the garden. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Sophie chased the cat out onto the doorstep and closed the front door behind her. As she stood outside on the gravel path with her mysterious letter in her hand, the strangest feeling came over her. She felt like a doll that had suddenly been brought to life by the wave of a magic wand. Wasn't it extraordinary to be in the world right now, wandering around in a wonderful adventure? Let's take that sentence. Let's read it one more time. Wasn't it extraordinary to be in the world right now, wandering around in a wonderful adventure? Beautiful sentence. I have these feelings quite often, especially recently, where I'll go outside and I'll look around and be like, wow, what an amazing world. 
Look at, look at those trees. Look at those birds up there. Look at the clouds. Like literally I'll just take it all in. And it is so fantastic. And I wish that more people would do this. I'm not saying to be like me, but more so just appreciate everything around them. To admire the work of this beautiful world. But I digress. Let us continue. Shirkin sprang lightly across the gravel and slid into a dense clump of red currant bushes. A live cat, vibrant with energy from its white whiskers to the twitching tail at the end of its sleek body. It was here in the garden too, but hardly aware of it in the same way as Sophie. As Sophie started to think about being alive, she began to realize that she would not be alive forever. I'm in the world now, she thought, but one day I shall be gone. Was there a life after death? This was another question the cat was blissfully unaware of. It was not long since Sophie's grandmother had died. For more than six months, Sophie had missed her every single day. How unfair that life had to end. Sophie stood on the gravel path thinking. She tried to think extra hard about being alive so as to forget that she would not be alive forever. But it was impossible. As soon as she concentrated on being alive now, she thought of dying also came into her mind. The same thing happened the other way around. Only by conjuring up an intense feeling of one day being dead could she appreciate how terribly good it was to be alive. It was like two sides of a coin that she kept turning over and over, and the bigger and clearer one side of the coin became, the bigger and clearer the other side became too. You can't experience being alive without realizing that you have to die, she thought. But it's just as impossible to realize you have to die without thinking how incredibly amazing it is to be alive. You've got the yin and the yang, the polarity of it all. Like you have to have one in order to have the other. Death, life, hot, cold. I mean, it just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it really is. Sophie remembered Granny saying something like that the day the doctor told her she was ill. I never realized how rich life was until now, she had said. And most people don't realize the greatness of life until they're on their deathbed. <laughs> I, I laugh at this because I think it's absurd. Like, why aren't we living? Why aren't we living when we have our health and our, our just exuberance rather than, you know, working our whole lives and then living a little bit for retirement and then dying? Like, what? What kind of system is that? <laughs> How tragic that most people had to get ill before they understood what a gift it was to be alive, or else they had to find a mysterious letter in the mailbox. Perhaps she should go and see if any more letters had arrived. Sophie hurried to the gate and looked inside the green mailbox. She was startled to find that it contained another white envelope, exactly like the first. But the mailbox had definitely been empty when she took the first envelope. This had her name on it as well. She tore it open and fished out a note the same size as the first one. Where does the world come from? It said. I don't know, Sophie thought. Surely nobody really knows. And yet, Sophie thought it was a fair question. For the first time in her life, she felt it wasn't right to live in the world without at least inquiring where it came from. The mysterious letters had made Sophie's head spin. She decided to go in and sit in the den. The den was Sophie's top secret hiding place. It was where paper is not 
unsticking. <laughs> One second. Ah, it was where she went when she was terribly angry, terribly miserable, or terribly happy. Today, she was simply confused. The red house was surrounded by a large garden with lots of flower beds, fruit bushes, fruit trees of different kinds, a spacious lawn with a glider, and a little gazebo that Granddad had built for Granny when she lost their first child a few weeks after it was born. Mm. The child's name was Marie. On her gravestone were the words, Little Marie to us came, greeted us, and left again. Oh, that hurts my soul. Oof, it's gonna make me cry. Down in a corner of the garden behind all the raspberry bushes was a dense thicket where neither flowers nor berries would grow. Actually, it was an old hedge that had once marked the boundary to the woods, but became nobody. But because nobody had trimmed it for the last 20 years, it had grown into a tangled and impenetrable mass. Granny used to say the hedge made it harder for the foxes to take the chickens during the war, when the chickens had free range of the garden. To everyone but Sophie, the old hedge was just as useless as the rabbit hutches at the other end of the garden. But that was only because they hadn't discovered Sophie's secret. Sophie had known about the little hole in the hedge for as long as she could remember. When she crawled through it, she came into a large cavity between the bushes. It was a, like a little house. She knew nobody could find her there. Clutching the two envelopes in her hand, Sophie ran through the garden, crouched down on all fours, and wormed her way through the hedge. The den was almost high enough for her to stand upright, but today she sat down on a clump of gnarled roots. From there, she could look out through the tiny peepholes between the twigs and leaves. Although none of the holes was bigger than a small coin, she had a good view of the whole garden. When she was little, she used to think it was fun to watch her mother and father searching for her among the trees. Sophie had always thought the garden was a world of its own. Each time she heard about the Garden of Eden in the Bible, it reminded her of sitting here in the den, surveying her own little paradise. Where does the world come from? Interesting parallel we have here between the Garden of Eden of the Bible and the creation, you know, the creation story, essentially. Uh, and then where does the world come from? So... I, if if you guys don't know, in the Bible, in Genesis, there is the creation story that uh, supposedly God created the world. And then he put Adam and Eve, the first human beings, in the Garden of Eden. Um, now, you can believe that if you'd like. Uh, it's just one of many, many creation stories of where this world came from. Uh, it's, <laughs> there's quite a few, uh, but I think it's interesting that they took the very popular, uh, one of Garden of Eden of the Bible. She hadn't the faintest idea. Sophie knew that the world was only a small planet in space, but where did space come from? Great question. <laughs> it was possible that space had always existed, in which case she would not also need to figure out where it came from. But could anything have always existed? Something deep down inside her protested at the idea. Surely everything that exists must have had a beginning. So space must sometime have been created out of something else. But if space had come from something else, then that something else must have also come from something. See where we're getting at here? The kind of the concept of infinity in a way that there's always had to have been something to create something sophie felt she was only deferring the problem at some point something must have come from nothing 
But was that possible? Wasn't that just as impossible as the idea that the world had always existed? They had learned at school that God created the world. Sophie tried to console herself with the thought that this was probably the best solution to the whole problem. But then she started to think again. She could accept that God had created space, but what about God himself? Had he created himself out of nothing? Again, there was something deep down inside her that protested. Even though God could create all kinds of things, he could hardly create himself before he had a self to create with. So there was only one possibility left. God had always existed. But she'd already rejected that possibility. Everything that existed had to have had a beginning. Oh, drat. She opened the two envelopes again. Who are you? Where does the world come from? What, what annoying questions. Yes. And anyway, where did the letters come from? That was just as mysterious. Who had jolted Sophie out of her everyday existence and suddenly brought her face to face with the great riddles of the universe? For the third time, Sophie went to the mailbox. The mailman had just delivered the day's mail. Sophie fished out a, a bulky pile of junk mail, periodicals, and a couple of letters for her mother. There was also a postcard of a tropical beach. She turned the card over. It had a Norwegian stamp on it and was postmarked UN Battalion. Could it be from Dad? But wasn't he in a completely different place? It wasn't his handwriting either. Sophie felt her pulse quicken a little as she saw who the postcard was addressed to. Hilda Merler Nag. C.O. Sophia Munson, 3 Clover Close. The rest of the address was correct. The card read, Dear Hilda, Happy 15th birthday. As I'm sure you'll understand, I want to give you a present that will help you grow. Forgive me for sending the card via Sophie. It was the easiest way. Love from Dad. Sophie raced back to the house and into the kitchen. Her mind was in turmoil. Who was this Hilda, whose 15th birthday was just a month before her own? Sophie got out the telephone book. There was a lot of people called Muller, Muller, and quite a few called Nag. But there was nobody in the entire directory called Muller Nag. She examined the mysterious card again. It certainly seemed genuine enough. It had a stamp and a postmark. Why would a father send a birthday card to Sophie's address when it was quite obviously intended to go somewhere else? What kind of father would cheat his own daughter of a birthday card by purposely sending it astray? How could it be the easiest way? And above all, how was she supposed to trace the Hilda person? So now Sophie had another problem to worry about. She tried to get her thoughts in order. This afternoon, in the space of two short hours, she had been presented with three problems. The first problem was who had put the two white envelopes in her mailbox. The second was the difficult questions these letters contained. The third problem was who Hilda Moller Nag could be and why Sophie had been sent her birthday card. She was sure that these three problems were interconnected in some way. They had to be, because until today she had lived a perfectly ordinary life. End of chapter one. Now actually, let's talk about the fact that she thinks that it's interconnected. All of these events, all these letters and things happening the to to be able to say like you know i had an ordinary life before this day everything was all dandy i never had these letter problems these questions posed to me and now she's thinking well it must all be connected right like there can't be uh this isn't just a coincidence that all these things came to me in one day 
uh, that leads the question leads to the question, you know, is there a thing as coincidence? Could it really be connected? I mean, I definitely think so. And obviously for story's sake, it's, I'm assuming it's very connected, but also I think that everything is very connected to everything else. Like you can't separate things. So yes, very interesting first chapter. Um, I'm very excited for us to continue into this book. It's such a fun way to get into more deep philosophical questions. So thank you so much for joining uh, on this first video of Book Club. We're very excited to bring this series to you all. We're going to be doing lots of different kinds of books, but for right now, we're going to focus on Sophie's World. Great, great book. Uh, next video will be chapter two. So please stay tuned and thank you so much for joining. Have a wonderful day.